It's storytelling that makes the difference between someone who's just good at their job and an actual leader. And if you think of any really famous leader, the reason we remember them is because they were great at making meaning, at, at storytelling. This is Skilled by Design, a podcast for experienced designers and product managers that want to deliberately grow their skills and become better humans in the process. I'm your host, Tommy Bay, and today I'm talking with Jamie Dixon, who is a coach, a training consultant. He's got a book that he's just written about storytelling, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Jamie's spent the last 16 years in China, where he does training in both English and Mandarin. He's the author of Shaping Paths, How to Design and Deliver Practical Training. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from him. Jamie, welcome aboard. Thank you. I appreciate it. To get it out of the way, you are in China. Yes. You are 12 hours different uh, time from me. Yep. I am 12 hours in the future. So I can tell you it's going to be a very hot day uh, for you later on. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. Cool. <laughs> Another thing that we should uh, mention right away is your book. So tell me about your book. When did it come out? What's it called? Thank you. So uh, it's called The Story Habit, How Leaders Shape Stories That Drive Action. And it uh, it came out just last week, actually. And it's all about making storytelling a really, really practical and accessible skill. It's not just about telling stories. It's about using all of the skills from the field of storytelling to bring more meaning to daily conversations. That's excellent. And uh, congratulations, by the way. Thank that's, you. It's a, a big deal. So it feels like storytelling, it's a bit of a buzzword and we know that storytelling is important, but for a lot of us, we're not sure exactly what that means. Hmm. Yeah, and and actually, that's a that's a question that drove me to write the story habit in the first place. It was about six years ago when I started getting requests for for storytelling workshops, and it was very much a buzzword. And I'd ask my clients why why would you like storytelling workshops, and they'd tell me that we have this group of engineers. Every time they give monthly reports, people fall asleep. And I couldn't really understand why storytelling would make that better. Because I'd go off and I'd look up storytelling and I'd find this model called the hero's journey, which you know I'm, some of your listeners have probably heard of, but for those who haven't, it's, it's basically this structure of classic fantasy or adventure novels where you start with someone who meets a massive challenge and then they overcome it and then they come back as a hero and... It's quite complicated. And if you take such a complicated approach to your monthly reports, you're just going to make them worse. So I got really, really curious about what we really mean by storytelling. And long story short, when we talk about storytelling, we're really talking about the language of the mind and just making meaning. That That is literally all it is. It's how we make meaning. But I think the reason we use the label storytelling is because if you look at how a story works, you can take out so many individual techniques and principles that you can use in your daily conversations to make meaning. So that's what storytelling means to me. It's the language of the mind and it's how we make meaning. Love that. Uh, yeah, I really liked uh, in the beginning of your book how you show that picture that looks like nothing and 
and then you go and get reference from another picture, uh, which I think it's a zebra. Mm, and then you yes. go back and you're like, oh, yeah, that first picture was a zebra. Yeah. And, and like if I if I give a, an, an audio version. So, for example, if I say to everyone, that that means absolutely nothing. It's just noise. And reality is just noise. As you are listening to this podcast right now, there's a lot of noise that you're not aware of. The noise of the feeling of your clothes on your skin, uh, the noise of any surrounding background noises around you and so on. Reality is just noise. And because we are surrounded by so much noise, we create stories to help us navigate that noise. So I gave you the noise of ee or ee-e-e-e-e-e-e. But if I tell you the story, which is we see stories everywhere, the next time you hear that, you're going to layer the story over the incoming sensory data. So when you hear ee or ee-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e
I went into this dark forest and I left this village and I got lost, but I discovered a big and beautiful world outside. And I've come back here today to share with you the tales of what the big, beautiful, wider world has to offer you. And the, the fable ends here. When I'm running workshops, I'll ask people to brainstorm, you know, what does the village and the forest represent? And if you were try, how would you try to persuade the villagers to go with you into the dark forest? And this is a metaphor for what we really mean by storytelling. The village represents people's comfort zones and the beliefs that they currently have. And the dark forest represents the unknown. And at work, when we are trying to persuade people, when we're trying to explain things to people, to change people's minds, we are actually trying to ask them to leave their comfort zones and go with us into the unknown. And this is how storytelling works. I have a framework in, in the book called Relate, Challenge, Resolve. If we're telling a story, we want to use Relate, Challenge, Resolve, and we can go into the details of that later. But if we're changing people's minds, we want to use exactly the same logic. We want to start by relating to the villages before challenging them and pointing out that, you know, this village isn't so great. <laughs> There's a big, beautiful world out there. And then resolving their barriers to action. Like, okay, you're curious now. What's stopping you from coming with me? And let's see how we can get you to come with me into the into the forest. And so that that in my mind is is what storytelling really is. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned the framework, those three pieces of relate, challenge, and resolve. Mm. In the book, you call them skills, which mm. I I was like, yes, that's what we that's what I'm looking for. So mm. can we talk about each of those uh, as a skill, something that can be developed? Yeah, yeah. So relating, I call this the skill of communicating with impact. And, and there's two parts to relating. One is learning the other person's stories. Because if you want to be able to communicate with impact, you need to be able to use ideas that the other person understands and cares about and is interested in. And you can't do that if you don't understand what they care about and what they're interested in. So ironically, the first skill of storytelling is shutting up and listening. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you can't relate. And then the, the other side of relating is presenting your ideas in a way that people easily grasp and you know, a, a key principle from storytelling that I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of is show, don't tell. Don't tell people things, show them. Because when we when we understand things, we don't understand using the brain first. We take in things through the senses first. We see and that goes into our brain and then we interpret. So a really simple way of communicating with impact is to speak to the senses. Like, for example, if you're going to you know, if you're debating whether to buy the next iPhone or Samsung phone uh, and you're not quite sure, you just go to the store and you try for yourself. You see for yourself what it's like. So the, the skill of relating is about communicating with impact. The skill of challenging is about changing people's minds. And this is essentially about pointing out that, you know, what you believe now is not serving you. And I have another story 
that right, another way of thinking about things, another set of beliefs that will serve you much, much better. And a massive mistake that so many people naturally make is that when they want to change people's minds, they go straight to challenge and they don't start with relate. And if you're not relating to the motivations of this other person, to their interests, what they understand, what they've experienced, then your challenge is most likely to get rejected. So moving on to the last part, resolve is all about helping people take action. And the thing with taking action and, and change in general is it's like a journey and there's a destination, there's a route or a pathway to the destination, but there's also that first step. And normally when we talk about change, we talk about the destination. We talk about, I'm gonna lose weight, or we talk about the route to the destination. I'm gonna join a gym, but we don't talk about that first step. And that first step is so, so critical for getting people to take action. And I, I think this is probably something user experience designers in particular know very, very well because user experience design is all about getting people to take action. Click here, click the buy now button uh, and making that action really, really worthwhile. Uh, and that's what the resolve part is. It's about getting people to take action. And just to kind of sum up, it relate, challenge, resolve works in exactly the same way for telling stories. Because if you think of any story that you've ever heard or watched or whatever, it always starts with a character that you can relate to in a situation that you can relate to. An example I like to use is The Lion King. And it's about, uh, you know, the Disney movie, The Lion King. And it's about Simba. And sure, he's a lion and I'm not a lion, but he's a child. And I used to be a child and I have children and I know what it's like to be a child. And I know what it's like to have dreams of the future and to be held back by my parents and told what to do and so on. And when the audience relates to the character, they start to build empathy. And then in the middle, something happens and the character meets a challenge. And as they meet that challenge, because we're relating to the character, we feel their pain. And we're really invested in how do they overcome this challenge? And that's where the resolve part comes in. That's where they find a way of resolving it. So when I eventually kind of discovered or codified this relate challenge resolve framework, I, I really fell in love with it because it works exactly the same way for telling stories as it does for just influencing and persuading in general. And that's, that's so great. Uh, I, I love that we can change the, the terminology when we hear, you know, storytelling is important or you need to get better at storytelling. Uh, really what we're saying is you need to get better at influencing uh, and yeah. And, and working through this framework. Yeah. And, and, and just, or just making meaning in general and influencing the meanings people believe in. And I, I think a really good example of, of the power of storytelling skills. If you think of a, you know, a, a Vincent van Gogh painting and then a replica painting by a, a university student, and they both go up for auction. 
obviously the Vincent van Gogh painting is going to sell for way more. It's going to sell for millions and millions and the students won hardly anything. But if you look at them, they're exactly the same. There is nothing different about them whatsoever. The only thing that's different is the story that people believe in. They'll only pay that money because they believe it's Vincent van Gogh. And this is a really critical skill for people at work. If you can't tell your story, you can't create value. You can't get people to buy into your ideas. And you can have all the great technical skills that you want. But if you can't tell the story about you know, why people should listen to you, why people should buy into your ideas, then you know, your technical skills aren't going to get you very far. So it, it's ultimately about, about making meaning. And that is also where value comes from as well. And if you want to get far in your career, you, you really, really need to, to be able to, to make meaning. I think that, yeah, for, for designers, they are doing this a lot where they, they will come up with an idea, a solution, a design, and yeah, then they have to explain that. They have to sell it. They have to get people to believe the story of what, of what they've created. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a, 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 a really good, well, powerful example right now is actually Huawei the Chinese company that makes 5G technology, uh, quite famous in the West right now because it's kind of been banned. And, and you know, not to get into politics and you know, I'm not pro-China or anti-China or anything like that, but I haven't seen any proof that Huawei's equipment would be spying on people. At the same time, I remember in 2013, Edward Snowden review, revealed a lot of proof that our own governments have been spying on us but people have forgotten about that and they've bought into this story of anything china related is really terrifying and so because of that story huawei a pioneer in 5g technology has all this amazing technology and no one wants to buy it and it's all down to the story really uh and you know i i i don't want to go into the politics or anything like that but that really shows the impact of, of story uh, on value. Yeah, incredibly powerful. Mm. I, I think we see over and over again that the storytelling going on in politics, that's that's what decides elections. That's what decides policy. It's what stories are being told the loudest and in, a, in the most compelling ways. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think of any leader, I, I think it, it's storytelling that makes the difference between someone who's just good at their job and an actual leader. And if you think of any really famous leader, historical leader, you know, presidents, philosophers, warriors, athletes, even, the reason we remember them is because they were great at making meaning. At, at storytelling. And without that, we, we probably wouldn't remember them. We probably wouldn't be talking about them right now. So it, it's such a, a significant skill. I, I would say it is an essential skill for anyone in a leadership position, because if you can't make meaning, then you know, your ideas won't impact enough people. Wow. For a lot of user experience designers, the relating part is is kind of baked into what we do. 
You know, yeah. we're, we're supposed to be out there talking to people, understanding, you know, where they're at and what their needs are and all of that. But I would love to talk a little bit more about the the challenge part. Mm-hmm. And then also, your, I mean, your book is about this being a habit. And I'd love to hear mm-hmm. some of your thoughts along, like, how, how do we... How do we build this into a habit? Yeah, sure. So if I start with the of the challenge part, challenge is about changing people's minds, about changing people's beliefs. And if we use the 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 fable that I shared earlier, you know, you've just come from the dark forest and you're trying to persuade the villagers to go with you. You're essentially trying to challenge them into believing that. You know, the dark forest is actually not the dark forest. It's a land of possibility. Now, several things to consider here. One, as I mentioned earlier, you will stand no chance of successfully challenging if you don't first relate. You need to spend enough time in their village listening to them, learning what they believe in, what they've experienced, what their motivations are, and so on. Because if you can't relate, you won't gain permission to challenge. But another thing, and this is this is really easily overlooked, but it's so obvious. I, I, and as soon as I say it, everyone knows, everyone will know this. You cannot persuade everyone. You cannot successfully change everyone's mind. We all instinctively know this, but we kind of ignore it sometimes. <laughs> And a really simple way of thinking of it is imagine there's a scale where on one end you have people who completely disagree and then there's people who somewhat disagree and then somewhat agree and then completely agree. And if you are going to focus on any one of these people, whatever part of the scale they're on, in reality, you are most likely only going to be able to move them one position at a time. So what this means is if you go for the people who completely disagree with your idea, you're going to fail. You're not going to get them on your side. If you want to get them on your side, you're going to have to spend a long time, maybe weeks, months, maybe even years. And it's going to be a painful step-by-step process of first getting them from completely disagreeing to just somewhat disagreeing. If we go into the fable that I shared earlier, you're going to have villagers who are a lot older and maybe have health problems, or maybe villagers who have young kids and they have family commitments, and they're going to be the ones who you're probably not going to, you're not going to successfully persuade. But you're going to have people on the somewhat agree and completely agree side of the scale. You're going to have the young people who are really curious, like you were, and they really want to know what's out there and they're, they're hungry. They're ready to go focus on those people because you'll win those people. And when you win those people, maybe they'll help you to win other people as well. So that is really, really critical. You've got to focus on the right people because give up hope that you will persuade everyone. It's just not going to work and it's going to be a waste of your energy as well. So how do you figure out who is like where people are on the scale? That that's a very good question. And I think, you know, in, in my experience, because I, I'm framing this as bringing more meaning to daily conversations, 
And so in the midst of a conversation, that that's where I'm focusing my my you know my methodology. In the midst of a conversation, the key indicator that you want to look for is the nodding head. When you get a nodding head, that is a sign that you are relating to them. And when you've done a lot of relating and they've given you a lot of nodding heads, you can start to prod. You can start to prod their stories. And if they keep nodding their heads, keep challenging their stories a bit more. But sometimes they're going to back down and they're going to they're going to react and maybe a bit aggressively. Maybe they're going to have really, really strong opinions. Uh, and it's very clear that they think completely differently to you. And uh, if that's the case, then you're probably not going to successfully persuade them. So focus on the the ones that you can you know gently prod and keep coming with you. And an example actually is is Simon Sinek. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm actually not a big fan of Simon Sinek because I, I feel he spends more time relating to what people already believe than he does actually challenging their beliefs. I, I, I feel he gives people what they want to hear as opposed to what they need to hear. But hmm. that, that's, a different, that's a different topic. He, he did actually give a really, really good example of going through the whole relate challenge resolve process despite what i just said and this example was his famous millennial question talk um if you go on youtube and just type in simon sinek millennial question um and he it's basically his talk about the situation with millennials and the problems they face and and what we describe about them and he starts by you know and the audience is all millennials and he starts by saying, apparently, millennials are blah, 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 and lists all of these problems and accusations. But because he used that word, apparently, he's signaling, I'm on your side, I'm with you. And he talks about how they've been dealt a bad hand. Again, I'm with you. So he's done a good job of relating. And then he gets into the middle. And, and if you're watching the video, you can actually see the millennials Throughout the whole process, they're nodding their heads and they're staring really attentively at him because he's he's right inside their stories and he's completely relating. And he even knows their stories better than they do. But then he starts to challenge them and he starts to point out things about how they spend too much time on their smartphones. And if you, you know, when you wake up in the morning, if you check your phone before you say hello to your boyfriend or girlfriend, then you have a problem. And <laughs> if you continue with all of these things, then you're not going to find joy in life. And then you, you start to see pictures of people in the audience looking really, really concerned. And they're not triggered by him. They are they are completely in to his story and, and completely gone with him. And then in the end, he does a little bit of resolve where, you know, he gives examples of, you know, leave your phone at home <laughs> um, and and turn your phone off or buy an alarm clock and don't take your phone to bed and, and so on. But he does a really good job of this and is a very good example of it. And the key is just to pay attention to the audience throughout, especially watching this video. It's a great example because they are just completely brought in to everything he says. So that, to come back to your question, uh, are they nodding their heads? Are they 
are they really cooperating and giving you the time and space to talk? If they are, you are safe to continue challenging. I think that's that's really helpful. I want to hear your your suggestion for for any of us listening that are like, yeah, what do, what can I do today to start developing these skills and, and maybe even building into a habit of storytelling? Mm. So the reason I call the book the story habit is because I list a number of habits for each of the relate, challenge, and resolve skills. And there's one habit which I think is is I, I love this habit. It's it's a habit specifically that comes before relate, challenge, resolve, specifically for telling stories. And if you follow this habit, you will naturally develop the skill of storytelling with hardly any effort at all. And the habit is simply notice change. And the idea here is that any story is always about change. It's never about, I got up, I got on the subway, I went to work, I came home, end of day. It's never about life as normal. It's about, I got up, I got on the subway and the subway broke down uh, and something happened. There was a change. So when there is a change, there is a story. If you want to be a good storyteller, you need to have a pool of stories and you need to be collecting lots and lots of stories into your story pool. And the easiest way to do that is to just notice change. Any changes that happen in your day, in your week, in your month, in your career, in your life, anywhere, it could be big, big changes, small changes or anything. For example, I, I'm in Shanghai and a few months ago, we had the Shanghai lockdown for two months and a lot of crazy things happened. Kids were separated from their parents. We were rationing. It was absolutely insane. Uh, there's so many stories that we collected from that experience of crazy change. So you notice change, that helps you collect more stories into your story pool. And then the next step is to take those stories out and start telling them. And the key thing about storytelling is the first time you tell a story is going to be terrible. It's not supposed to be good, <laughs> but you tell that story so you can figure out what's terrible about it and improve it. If you think of any good comedian doing their shows on Netflix, when they get to that stage and they're making the audience laugh all the time, that is not the first time they've told those stories. They've told those stories hundreds if not thousands of times before. And they've refined them over and over and over again until they got to the stage where they're at now. And it's the same for you. So you collect these stories into your story pool, you take them out, you use them, you figure out you know, what worked, what didn't work. You can just think of relate, challenge, resolve. Did it relate well enough? Did you know? Was the challenge part clear enough? Was the resolution clear enough? And then try it again next time. And then over time, you will naturally improve. So it all starts with just that one, one little habit of raising your awareness of all of the changes that go on in your life, noticing those, and then collecting stories in your story pool, practicing them and refining them. It's such a simple and natural way of developing your storytelling ability. I'm going to be... Noticing change all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of changes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I've had a lot in my life just recently, so that's awesome. Uh, cool. Well, thank you again. This is amazing. I, I feel like uh, the whole topic is a lot more clear to me. I feel like uh, I've got some stuff to dig into. So, yeah, mm, cool, I appreciate cool. it. So, where where can people find your book, and and where can they find you if they if they want to connect with you? Sure. Thank you. So. Yeah, the book, The Story Habit, How Leaders Shape Stories That Drive Action. You can just go to Amazon, just type in The Story Habit by Jamie Dixon, and you should should see it there. Uh, or you can go to uh, you can go to LinkedIn to find me. Um, type in Jamie Dixon, and you'll see my face on an orange background. Uh, or my my website, shapingpaths.com, or even thestoryhabit.com, and you can learn a bit more about me there. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Thank you. And if you have questions, you out there listening, if you have questions about anything that we talked about today or comments, or you just want to talk about it, come find us on Twitter. It's just at skilled by, and we can tell some stories together. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I think that's it for this week. Remember to share the episode with anybody who'd like to learn more about storytelling. Uh, and if you can rate the podcast, we'd sure love that. Thanks again. We'll see you next time on Skilled by Design. Bye.